why the big show. You didn't really have a choice. You know we have to work together. Because, Jedi, you know what we are about to attempt is very dangerous. And I may be a pirate, but I do not like taking children into battle. That didn't seem to bother you when you attacked us. <laughs> well, today is a new day. And lucky for you, today, I like children. Now let's free the rest of my men. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Uto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode, during their attempted escape, Ahsoka and the younglings are again captured by Hondo's pirates. But the dastardly General Grievous leads an attack on Hondo's base, forcing the Jedi and the pirates to work together to drive off the Separatist forces. Hey, troops, it's your old buddy Bucho. I'm a Clone Wars rookie on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars. Next to me in the dropship on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars, he's the Ahsoka to my Petro. It's your trusty pal, Robbie. How's it going, everyone? We are going to talk about the 96th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology. It's written by Christian Taylor. It's directed by Danny Keller. And it's Season 5, Episode 9, A Necessary Bond. So, Robbie, let's roll out with you letting us know what you remembered about A Necessary Bond before you rewatched it again this week. This is another one where I didn't remember a whole lot about it, but I don't know why. Because this episode was a lot of fun. I did remember that there was a lot of Hondo. Yeah. And I remember that there was a lot of, just like the previous episode, we see the younglings be very resourceful. You know, like a lot more resourceful than I thought they were. Or I guess they maybe they seemed. But uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun. But I, I, I'm honestly, I just didn't remember a whole lot about it. Yeah, they are super resourceful and super capable, as we found out when they had an acrobatic act, you know, just in their pocket, ready to pull out. So, and I guess the point of the gathering was that these are the top Padawans of their class. So these are the most capable and talented, you know. So when they pull off these pretty amazing things like Gennody somehow having the strength to carry, was it three or four (laughs) other Padawan on her arms? And that's one of those things when you can say, Oh man, I guess Rodians are really strong, you know, or at least young Rodian females are, are super strong because she holds up her end of the bargain real strong in that. And that whole opening act is basically a chase scene, right, with the pirates and their speeder pursuing our young heroes and their borrowed speeder. And they're also pursuing the crucible, the ship. I thought it was really fun, really thrilling chase scene. Unfortunately, Hu Yang is back in business after David Tennant, I guess, took a, an episode off for some reason last episode. It was yeah. in there, but not a single line from David Tennant in Bound for Rescue, and here he's back. But unfortunately, while he's back in business, the Crucible is out of business by the end of that first chase scene, which is a real bummer, not just because Ahsoka and the kids were captured, but I really like the look of that ship, Roby. That is a cool ship, both inside and outside. The five stagger thrusters on the back. Looks cool. Anytime you get a shot at it from behind going away from you, it looks awesome. It's got that wide, flat nose. Mm-hmm. That sort of looks halfway between like a stingray and a hammerhead shark. And the inside, it feels like there's a lot of room to stretch out. And that was a Paladin class Corvette. And it had been in operation for 1,000 years, Robbie. And then it crashed. And I'm sure it's crashed before. And I'm sure it'll be back. I mean, technically, it didn't break up, you know, and blow into smithereens. But that was a sweet chase scene. And I love that ship. And do you have any comments on this what feels like 20 minutes that I've already been talking, Robbie. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of things in this section that's really a lot of fun and really cool. Like, for example, I'm not exactly sure where 
in the arc that I started really kind of liking Petro. But I remember in my first, at least my first watch, I wasn't a fan of Petro until this episode. And this is one of those where, you know, Petro is showing his selflessness, you know what I mean? It's almost like he's showing what he learned in the cave on Ilum by, I guess, the, the speeder that they're on. I guess it's a speeder. And it's a cool speeder, too. Yeah. That's a sweet speeder, man. And it, it's it's going off course because, you know, the helmet got dislodged. Yeah. And he goes down there to try to save the day. And it's like, it's almost like, you know, he, he could end up getting hurt or, or worse, you know, if this thing crashes and everybody else gets off and he's the only one left on there. So it was kind of cool to see that. And then that whole thing with, man, the four younglings holding on with yeah. just poor Kenobi is the only one holding on to him. Not at the best plan. And it seems like it might have been better for them to try to get the pirates off of their tail before trying to fly the ship in fr- like directly in front of them. I mean, it just seems like a very strange plan. But hopefully that ship still is intact because uh, all of those lightsaber parts and there's no telling what kind of history is on that ship. Yeah, that chase scene is where we see even more initiative and leadership from Petro. You know, when Ahsoka's jury-rigged steering control apparatus shakes loose on the fire end, it was really starting to look in this episode like Petro might be the favorite character of the writer Christian Taylor because he's kind of the hero of the episode. Although, like you say, Gennody has a moment <laughs> holding up all four of them. And <laughs> yeah. Katuni has a moment sort of at the end of the second act where she convinces Hondo to come back and be a team player again. And speaking of Hondo, we learned in The Phantom Menace that there is always a bigger fish, Robbie. And if Hondo hadn't learned that lesson before, he sure learned an unnecessary bond because Grievous brings his forces in and basically makes Hondo and the pirates his pets. On behalf of Dooku, no less, who reminds Hondo and us of the events of Dooku captured and the Gungan general from all the way back in season one, Robbie. Episodes 15 and 16 of the chronology, so this is an episode with ties back to what seems like so long ago, right? It seems like those episodes were so long ago. Yeah. And they were, I guess. Yeah, and it's one of those where you kind of wonder if that was the plan all along. Like, was Obi-Wan just in the path? And they were like, eh, let's take him out while we're at it. I mean, it's it's strange that they would... Right. I mean, look, it's part of the arc, right? Obi-Wan and Cody have to be delayed or just prevented from getting there to help. So you have to have something do that. Sure. So Grievous comes in to do that. Then you kind of have to have, at some point, you have to have Hondo, you know, help them get off the planet. And how do you do that? Well, like you said, the bigger fish, the bigger threat come down and Grievous, and I guess Dooku, it's it's strange that Dooku and Grievous would time this exact point to, uh, you know, kind of get their revenge on Hondo. But hey, it works out. And I actually enjoy the storytelling here, even if, you know, maybe the, uh, you know, the timing is a little strange. But it's still very cool. A little convenience, you're saying, right? Yeah, a little bit of convenience there. Yeah, it's funny that this arc kind of starts out, or at least in the second episode of the arc, the kids need to be rescued from Hondo, but Grievous stops them being rescued, you know, because he stops everyone. And then at the end, yeah, it's kind of convoluted. Oh, yeah. But I just, I just went with it. I was fine with it. Yeah, and the, and the way that this episode flows together, again, it makes you it makes you realize that Hondo's, uh, I don't know. See, that's the thing. It's like they keep trying to paint him as this really dangerous guy that does really, really awful things. 
but every time we see him in the show, he comes to the rescue, you know, and he comes, you know what I mean? And he's a, he's kind of a... Well, not every time. Well, almost every time. I mean, as Ahsoka reminds us, the last time they met, he was kid-killing Hondo, and his men were walking around that ship telling us they had orders that it didn't matter whether these kids were killed, you know. They just had to bring in the crystals. Right. And as Hondo even says himself, you know, well, you know, today, it's your lucky day. (laughs) I like kids today, you know. Yesterday when we met the last time, I didn't really like kids, so I didn't mind if they were killed. Now I like them again. So he's he's still got that dark streak in him. He's still got that black heart with maybe a little few veins of gold shining through it. And even in this one, the only reason he really helps is because, I mean, he's captured. He's got no other choice. But there's there's just little things there that, that kind of make you think that Hondo may be a bit more than what he's saying as far as, like, kind of the devious kind of guy that he is. I mean... Just look at his face when he's walking up the ramp of Slave 1 at the end, and he gives Katuni that little look, that little wink. Sure. I just loved it. I mean, it was just like, yeah, see? That's Hondo. That's <laughs> that's why I like Hondo so much. Yeah, he comes across, he's just a guy with a massive appetite for life and a, a massive appetite for being entertained by whether it's, I mean, the circus comes to town, right? He loves to have a circus. Every time we see him at his lair, there's some sort of party going on. It seems like a constant party at the pirate lair. And so when he gets to watch the lightsabers put together, he's delighted. He just loves any sort of experience, anything that delights him. And so Katuni sort of provides him in this episode. She's a delightful character, you know, with her little attitude when she jumps on the back and says, I've got your back. And he (laughs) sort of sarcastically says, oh, thanks, I feel so safe or something right (laughs) i love this a fun little moment and so at the end he's sort of thinking you know he sort of appreciates that this guy who likes to be entertained at all moments he appreciates that this little jedi has provided him with this entertainment she's been an entertaining little addition to his life and has brought more adventure into his life i guess by convincing him to come back i don't know that's more how i read it not that he necessarily has a heart of gold but he's just a guy who loves to be entertained he loves excitement and so his little wink to Katuni at the end is him going like, thanks for bringing more excitement into my life, kid, you know? That's how I sort of read it. I don't know. See, I just, look, I, I guess I just like Hondo, okay? <laughs> sure. He's a charming gentleman. I mean, he's likable. He's He's got a ton of uh, charisma and a ton of magnetism. But, you know, like Ahsoka tells us, don't forget, this guy is a guy that didn't care about these kids dying. Only yesterday or whenever it was in the timeline, you know? Right, right. And of course, speaking of those little Jedi, there's a moment that I love in this episode when one of the Roger droids calls in to Grievous and he reports that the prisoner area is under attack from several miniature Jedi. (laughs) And that confuses General Grievous. So the Roger droid clarifies by explaining that he's talking about the little ones, half the size of normal Jedi. I just love this notion that for some reason this Roger droid, and I guess all Roger droids, haven't been programmed to understand what children are. So he just thinks they're tiny versions of Jedi. That's cracked me up so much. Yeah, and I found it strange that Hu Yang almost plays the part of 3PO in this episode, too. I don't know if you've got that as well, but... Because it's almost like he didn't help a whole lot. He just commented on the situation, which, you know, thankfully 3PO gets a different kind of... Some different things to do in the new movie, but this is what it feels like. It, It almost feels like he's taking that place in this episode. And wasn't he even being carried by Gunji in the last episode? Yeah. You know, just like 3PO gets carried by Chewbacca. So, yep. yeah, there's definitely a parallel there. And speaking of parallels, going back to Empire Strikes Back, Robbie, after the escape parties get split up and Ahsoka's speeder with the kids goes one way and the pirates with Katuni go the other way, all the way to Hondo's hidden hangar, 
that's somehow something he only knows about. So I guess that means he's killed everyone who helped him build it <laughs> and everyone who's helped him fit it out and everyone who helped him park those ships in there. They're all dead somehow. But anyway... <laughs> Hondo is about to abandon our heroes, like we just mentioned earlier, in the rebuilt Slave 1, no less. And unless I'm mistaken, he's had it painted in a paint job that's a lot more familiar than it was before, or a soon crashed it on Florum, or before, should we say, Ahsoka helped, or a soon crashed it. Yeah. Is that how it happened in that? I mean, um, this is so I'm long ago sure. that I'm trying to remember, but I remember Ahsoka fighting on I'm that. I'm pretty sure they were working together. Yeah. <laughs> There was definitely a team effort to crash Slave 1. And so it's great to see Slave 1 again. And this paint scheme, does this look a lot more familiar to you than when we first met it? Well, yeah. I mean, this is definitely the Empire Strikes Back version of Slave 1. It's almost like they kind of uh, shows us how and who paint Slave 1, which is kind of an interesting little uh, little thing. Yeah, it's one of those ships that's almost a character, right? Everyone right? always says the Millennium Falcon is its own character in Slave 1, especially with the iconic sound and iconic look. It's instantly recognizable. This is sort of almost like seeing a character go through a character change. I don't know. Is this character development for Slave 1? Maybe something like that. <laughs> but while Hondo and Katuni are having their little negotiation there, Ahsoka is fighting Grievous on top of the speeder. So Hu Yang tells R2 to get aggressive at the controls, which leads to R2 getting too aggressive, which leads to a really effective animated speeder crash. It feels real violent. And just the physics of it, the way it bumps, and then it noses into a big rock and sort of shakes everyone off. And that leads to a great shot where we skim low with the camera through the dust and each of the kids and Atu and Hu Yang kind of standing up and brushing themselves off and then Gunji stands up and all of a sudden Gunji the little Wookiee's eyes go really wide and we hear a worried Wookiee warning you know a little I can't do Wookiees that's one of my worst I mean my impressions are bad at the best of times and my Wookiee's even worse but that's when we see Grievous in his creepy terrifying spider scuttle mode and the sound you know, I mean, I think we hear him before we see him, and he's coming right for our little hero, Robbie. And that was just that whole sequence leading up to reminding us how terrifying Grievous is when he's in that spider scuttle mode. It was just gold. That whole sequence, the crash, the getting up and dusting themselves off, Gunji's eyes opening wide, Grievous in spider mode. This episode just keeps delivering for me. Yeah, and there's a, I don't know what I'm thinking of, but there's a, it's almost a very iconic shot of Ahsoka with basically her arms you know spread out holding almost holding back right to get in front of the kids right with this lightsabers drawn it's such a cool shot and then i have to be honest i mean you know when when we're first watching these episodes the first time these aired i was worried i was worried the way that they were building this up i felt like this could be the way that ahsoka goes out and what better way you know, than to be be protecting the younglings. Sure. You know, very, very stark contrast to what, you know, Anakin does. Sure. <laughs> it would have been one of those things where I don't think anybody would have argued with it. They would have thought that's a rather beautiful way for her to go out. But it was just a... I just remember there being a lot of tension in this fight just because of the way it was shot and because I knew that the younglings were safe and it was literally just trying to get Ahsoka away from him. It's like, is she going to make it out of this? Yeah, and one of the reasons there is so much tension in that fight is that the previous episodes, I mean, he comes in and basically rolls Obi-Wan's whole fleet. Like, that's a win for Grievous. He gets stymied at the end because Obi-Wan has the self-destruct go off, but that is a win for Grievous. And then, you know, he comes in and he just rolls Hondo, makes Hondo's forces look like they're nothing. So this whole 
arc has been making Grievous out to be a formidable force, you know, someone not to be messed with. So when Hondo turns up in Slave 1, as Ahsoka holds off Grievous while the kids run to the ship, that's a fun fight, but so tense because Grievous is obviously still too much for Ahsoka to handle. He is pretty much whipping her. And this is the first time they've scrapped since Jewel of the Droids, and she's just in survivor mode again. I mean, and Jewel of the Droids, was it Jewel of the Droids or Downfall of a Droid? It's one of those. It's Jewel of the Droids, right? I think so. They fought, and she sort of saved Rex from, Rex was just about to be wiped out. But Grievous just makes pretty, I mean, you know, in that time too, Grievous is just too much for Ahsoka, of course. Here, she's a lot better than she used to be. He's still too much for her. So it's super thrilling and tense watching Ahsoka try to survive long enough for the kids to get away. And I would have been less tense than you would have been the first time you saw it because I know more about Ahsoka's future. So, you know, I knew she wasn't going out like this, but it was just a really well done fight. I mean, beautifully animated, really well choreographed, super thrilling. And at the end, Hondo has delivered the kids and Ahsoka and R2 back to Obi-Wan's fleet and is trying to convince Obi-Wan that he, Hondo, should be compensated for all manner of costs incurred since encountering the Padawans. He's just listing off all the reasons he should be getting paid and then Obi-Wan turns him around with a single line about, you know, are you sure you weren't trying to hijack a Jedi cruiser? And then, of course, Hondo was hurt by the suggestion right <laughs> he's so wounded by the suggestion and so on his way out of course he gives Katuni that little wink and promises that he's going to send everyone the bill and then after that Hu Yang tells the Padawans that theirs was the most eventful Padawan gathering mission since Master Yoda went on his gathering but that's a story for another time yeah. what a tease Robbie yeah. what a tease imagine that mission and of course Master Yoda what would that have been like 800 years ago or something something yeah something like that and Yang has been on a few of these missions in a thousand years and then they all lived happily ever after Robbie <laughs> we've got to talk about our favourite shots of a necessary bond before we get to the end so what was your favourite shot of the episode you go first so I don't steal yours well I don't know if it's cheating if it's too obvious but my favourite shot of the episode is the Shot of Slave One sitting in a Republic cruiser peacefully. <laughs> See, I love Slave One. I always have. Of course, I told you. I've you know I've told you many times. I love. I've always loved Boba Fett. Sure. And uh, I have a uh, nice Lego Slave One up there, up on my shelf. So yeah, I'm a big fan of Slave One. So it was awesome to see that there. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I call me biased, but that's my favorite shot. It's definitely nice to see that ship put back together and back in working order after the last time we saw it go down and maybe not in flames, but in a big, big old crumpled heap, Robbie. And I've chosen not one of the shots from the sequence early, but one of the shots from the breakout is a really cool side-on shot of Katuni leaping up onto a battle droid's head mm. during that escape and stabbing her freshly minted lightsaber down through the droid's head. And these kids have some sweet moves in this escape, as one might expect from a gang of little trained acrobats so there are a lot of shots i could have chosen from that was the one i ended up going with but that was i guess kind of a random shot it wasn't even a favorite it was just one i wanted to highlight because there were just a ton of great shots in this episode and so before we bring this one in for a landing like hondo bought slave one in for a landing in their republic cruiser we need to sum up give our ratings so after your third ever watch of a necessary bond robbie or is this more than a third watch for you how many times have you seen this one you reckon <sighs> I think probably maybe four times, but it, I don't remember exactly having a purpose for watching this again, so it may just be my third. Sure, and like you said at the start, you didn't remember that much about it, so I guess this was just one of those that you went through the two times and then didn't come back to. So how did you like it on this third time, Robbie? Where 
Does a necessary bond sit on that four-star Robbie scale? This one is way up there. It's such an enjoyable episode, and I can't fail to mention that there was a lot of tension in this episode as well. For me, remembering that the first time I watched this, I remember feeling like Ahsoka was in big trouble and that we she may not make it out of it. I mean, it's just a, a very, very well-done episode. I mean, for me, this one is a three and a half out of four. Yeah, the one thing that I guess holds it back from being higher than what I'm going to give it is that there's not really any character development. There's nothing really meaningful in character terms. And in plot terms, it doesn't necessarily move any greater stories forward. But it is a really super fun, almost perfectly handled, I guess, end to this arc. And I'm giving it eight. Padawan's being carried by Gennody off a ramp, I guess. And... Like I said, there weren't really any things in the episode that I could really ping it for. I don't think it really put a foot wrong. It just didn't have those two elements that I like to look for when I'm giving something a 9 or a 10. But that is mission accomplished for Season 5, Episode 9, A Necessary Bond. So, Robbie, if the troops out there want to tell me that I should have given it a 9 or 10 anyway and should ignore all those whatever rules I've come up with, those arbitrary rules, how can they reach us, Robbie? Well, we are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, Twitter, and Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y. Yes, sir. And of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 97th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology Season 5, Episode 10, Secret Weapons. And until then, this is your old buddy Bucho, alongside your trusty pal Robbie, and we are out. Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing this show on iTunes or any other podcast platform and Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Bucho and Robbie at gmail.com. The force will be with you, always.